0: any chips left? What? (laughs) There can't be any chips left? Come on, come on. Two for everybody. Pass it around. You don't want to get sleepy in here, right? Because you know the sound of my voice. You know what the sound of my voice does to people? It puts them to sleep. And you certainly wouldn't be the first hundred students that I put to sleep. That's my specialty. Alright. This is gonna be fun. <laughs> what that doesn't sound convincing? So why haven't you City? I'm here. That's what happened. Because your success! is my number one priority. So here we go. All right, what I'm gonna do is, I'm gonna, we're gonna do a a little ethics test, okay? What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pass around the attendance sheet. And what you do is, in the box, next to your name, you check the dates that you attended, all right? Then at the end of class, what I'm gonna do is, I'm gonna call attendance, and see if you're actually here where well, you just mark some, you know, somebody present for your, for them, you know? One of your friends, your homeboy, right? Alright, so ethics, right? So it's a test of integrity. So you go ahead, we'll see your name there. There's uh, over a hundred students on our team. A hundred! Over a hundred students on our team. and. You just look. It says the date: August twenty-second, no, August twenty-seventh, September third, September seventeenth, September twenty-fourth. That's today. So just put a check in the box next to your name for the dates that you are present. Then at the end of class, I'm going to go through the attendance. All right. of the semester, the fifth week of the semester. Can you believe it? Time flies when you're having fun, right? I mean, it's not exactly Atlantic City, but it's still fun, right? So, we've got through, let's see, today we're up to homework E. Alright, right, so we're up to homework E. We're gonna have an exam. We're gonna have an exam on October 15th. All this is in our syllabus. So every week there's an assignment. Every Thursday, by 10 p.m., we have an assignment due. (coughs) Every Thursday. Even if sometimes if I forget to send a reminder, because usually I send um, an email reminder every week and I also um, post an announcement on Blackboard. So even if for some reason I don't do that, we still have an assignment due. All right, so I don't need to send you a reminder. I'd like to um, stay in touch with you and send reminders to help keep our team on track, but even if I don't, it's all the dates are listed on our syllabus, and basically there's an assignment due every Thursday. 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Yeah, check yeah, it. Check it. So the exam is gonna be on October fifteenth, which is a Thursday. And I'm hoping that everybody gets a hundred. You can do it. Yes you can. That's right. Who said that? Kathy? Uh oh. That's right, you can do it, yes you can. A hundred, right Joel? Come on, a hundred, it's possible. You don't think so? No, we're gonna get there, we're gonna get there. So we need to, for the exam, you need to be familiar with all the key terms in the chapter, not just the ones that are in the homework. Also, keep in mind that our course is a type of online course, a hybrid. So we're not going to meet every week, but certainly leading up to the exam, and that's um, definitely one of the reasons why I wanted to make sure to meet with you this week and also next week again, even though the course could be 80% online, that just says how many times I need to be here. Basically, you need to be here, as I suggest, because this is for your benefit, right? This class, this, this time that we're studying together is for your benefit, to help you be successful so that you could do well on the exam and get an A in the course. Is there anybody here who wants to get an A in this course? Anybody, just raise your hand. Oh, okay, that's almost everybody, believe it or not. Some people are raising both hands. So we could do it. Yes, yes we can all right so what I want to do first is just quickly go over some of the key things that we talked about already just to keep us grounded all right we said that there are four managerial tasks four managerial tasks which include what what are the four managerial tasks go ahead Joel. So everybody heard what Joel said? Planning, leading, organizing, and controlling. That's in chapter one, four key managerial tasks. Managers do a lot of things, but when we think about what managers do from 30,000 feet, if you will, one of the four major managerial tasks is like Joel said, planning, We said hope is not a plan. We talked about planning and I gave you an example about uh, the student elections, right? The elections for the student clubs that are gonna happen in March. I'm already working with students. We're planning that now. What month is this? Anybody? (laughs) September, so this is September. Planning, so I'm already working with students planning on an event that's gonna happen in March. So that's almost six months from now. But you have to have a plan. And an organization has different types of plans. What are some of those different types of plans? Go ahead, yeah, Alexis. Well, a strategic business unit, right? Alexis is saying that a strategic business unit is going to have a plan. Absolutely. So. The strategic business units, an organization is gonna have multiple strategic business units and each strategic business unit is gonna have a plan. We refer to that as a business plan. And what else? There's also a corporate plan. So the senior executives develop a corporate plan and then there's the business plan and also a functional plan. So every strategic business unit which are basically standalone organizations, which would be what? What would be an example? Remember, we talked about electronics. What would be an example of a SPU in an electronics company? What would be some of the SPUs, possibly? Cell phone? phone. What do you think? So cell phone, Rick, right? So Rick said that they might have a strategic business unit that just focuses on selling cell phones. And what else in our electronics company? What would be another strategic business unit that would make sense? So, TVs, so um, Felicia saying TVs, so we have one strategic business unit focusing on selling cell phones, another strategic business unit focusing on selling TVs. What else? Uh, Radios. Radios, so we'll have a separate strategic business unit that just focuses on that. Anything else? Yes, go ahead. Tell us your name. Flora. Flora. Laura. Cameras. Cameras. So cameras. So you could get cameras that are 4 megapixel, 5 megapixel, 10 megapixel, 20 megapixel cameras. So in our electronics company, we could have a strategic business unit that focuses on selling cameras, and one that focuses on selling laptops and another one that focuses on selling cell phones and another one that focuses on selling TVs. So each of those strategic business units needs to have a business plan. Those business plans articulate how the corporate plan is going to become a reality. So there needs to be shared goals. So the goals And the vision and the mission that's articulated in the corporate plan needs to come to life in all the business plans. Now, how they go about achieving those goals is going to basically vary from strategic business unit to strategic business unit. Is that right? Because they have a different competitive set. The competitive set is the companies, organizations, the other brands that compete with us. That's going to vary from strategic business unit to strategic business unit. Usually, not always, sometimes there could be some of the same competitors. But the strategies and tactics usually will vary from strategic business unit to strategic business unit. And then the functional plan, what would be an example of a functional area? So. We say, okay, we're gonna develop a functional plan. What would be a functional plan? Yeah, Alexis? Marketing. marketing. so you would develop a marketing plan. That's an example of a functional plan. And there's other functions in an organization, is that right, like what else? What would be some other functions? So advertising, so within the marketing department we might have a, um, a plan for advertising, an advertising plan, yes, go ahead. Research and development, so they're going to have a separate plan, a separate um, functional plan for their area. How is the research and development department, not strategic business unit, the department, the research and development department, how are they going to contribute to the organization achieving the mission, the vision, and the goals of the entire organization? We talked about also leading, and we said that in order to lead, you need to have power. Because what is our biggest challenge as a manager? What's our biggest challenge? Well, I heard like something like like a hundred people's voice in my ear. Yes, tell us your name. Victoria. Victoria, go ahead. Getting people to work for you. Getting people to work for you. Getting work done through others. That's our challenge. It's not easy to get work done through others. We said that if you're successful in getting work done through others, it's because you have some power. And we need to understand, in order to be effective managers and effective leaders, we need to understand the source of our power. So what could be the source of our power? What was that? Decision. Position, so what we call legitimate power. So legitimate power can help us get work done through others. Which means, uh, for example, if we're the vice president, if we're the vice president, then people are gonna do what we say because of our position, because of our title. So that means that we have legitimate power. Yes, go ahead, tell us your name. Jennifer. Jennifer. Um, coercive power. Coercive power. So Jennifer said coercive power. So people on our team will do what we ask them because we have coercive power, which means what? What is coercive power? You want to tell us, Jennifer? Do you have the power to discipline people. Or you so you have the power to discipline people, which The most obvious way that we could discipline people is to fire them. So if you have the ability to fire somebody, then you have coercive power. That means that it's more than likely people are going to do what you ask them. Now, when I say do what you ask them to do, I'm not talking about asking them to jump off a bridge. I'm just asking them to complete a project, to, write a draft of a marketing plan, to prepare an advertising brief, to submit a report. So if we have coercive power, if we have the ability to discipline people, if we have the ability to fire people, if we have the power to demote people, If we have the ability to reduce people's salary, cancel their vacation, withhold a bonus, then we have coercive power. And if we have coercive power, then that's gonna help us get work done through others. What would be another example? I have a question about legitimate power. Can you give me an example of a person who would have legitimate power without coercive or the other one and he's still able to get work done? So in an organization, there's a chain of command. So the president of the company has senior vice presidents report to him or her. And the senior vice presidents have vice presidents that report to him or her. And the vice presidents have directors report to him or her, and the directors had managers that report to them, and supervisors that report to the management, to the to the to the um, to the managers. Now, what I just described: supervisors reporting to managers, managers reporting to directors, directors reporting to vice presidents, vice presidents reporting to senior vice presidents, and senior vice presidents reporting to the president of the company, sounds like what type of organization? A hierarchical one, and what do we, how do we, um, what is the term that we use to describe that organization? Yeah, that's a tall organization, which means that there's multiple levels, it's hierarchical. Now, so, the president could ask somebody to do something. They could ask one of the supervisors to do something. And obviously, because of their position, somebody is going to comply with their request. They're going to run a report. So if the president asks a supervisor to run a report, they're going to go into the database and run the report. Now, does the president have coercive power? Well the supervisor reports to a manager. So within the chain of command, and what FAIL refers to as unity of command, one person reports directly to one superior. So the manager is the one with the coercive power. The manager can discipline the supervisor. But the president of the company doesn't have, the the supervisor doesn't report directly to the president. So that's an example of where the president, of course, has the legitimate power. They're the president of the company, right, Madeline? They're the president of the company. If the president asks you, and you're the supervisor, one of the supervisors there, the president asks you to do something, then of course you're going to do it. But the president, you don't report to the president. So the president can't fire you. The president is not going to be able to, It doesn't write your performance evaluation. That's something that the manager does. So the manager is the one with the coercive power in this example, and the president is the one with the legitimate power. So what else, what would be another source of of, um, power that's gonna enable us to get work done through others? Yes, go ahead. Uh, Reward power. Reward power, so just like You might have coercive power, the ability to discipline people, right? That's what Jennifer said, right? The ability to discipline people. Then if you have reward power, then you have the ability to promote people. You have the ability to give people bonuses. You have the ability to give somebody a raise, increase their salary, give them extra time off. So if you have reward power, if you could if you're in control of those perks, of those rewards, then that's gonna help you get work done through others. You agree? What do you think? Yes? You agree? Laura, you agree? So you need to have a source of power. What else? So we talked about legitimate power, we talked about coercive power, reward power. Joelle? Referent power. Referent power. So what's referent power? If we have referent power, then people will get work done to others because they respect him. So that, that person can get work done to others because the people that they're managing or they're trying to influence respects them, or likes them. So they're not the vice president, or the senior vice president, but if they ask you to do something, you're gonna do it because, not, not because they're gonna um, fire you, you're not worried about them firing, but because you respect them. Because you like them. Maybe they're the subject matter expert. Maybe they're the SME. Subject matter expert. So if they ask you to do something, you're gonna do it because they are the subject matter expert. What else? Yes, go ahead. Expert power. Expert. So they're an expert, and what else? So we have legitimate power, coercive power, reward power, referent power, expert power, So those are sources of power that are going to enable us to lead. In terms of managerial skills, we said that there's three. What are they? What are the three managerial skills? Who remembers? Conceptual skills, human skills, Does this sound familiar to anybody? Technical. So, we said that there's three managerial skills, conceptual skills, human skills, technical skills. Does that ring a bell? No. Does it ring a bell to anybody? This might come as a surprise to you, but that was one of the homework questions. (laughs) I know, scary, right? So, conceptual skills. What are conceptual skills? The ability for a manager to evaluate and analyze. So do you think that's an important skill? If you're gonna plan, lead, organize, and control, do you need to have conceptual skills? Uh, it's mostly used on the high, uh, uh, like top, uh, like CEOs or CFO, CFO because uh, they need to find a problem and solve what need to be solved. So, depending on your level in the organization, um, tell us your name. Oh, Dixon. Dixon, okay, I thought it was Dixon, but I would thought like maybe there's like a 50-50 chance there. Okay, Dixon. So, what Dixon is saying is that as you move up in the organization, in that hierarchy, supervisor, manager, director, vice president, right, April? Mm-hmm. Senior vice president, president, that the level of decision making increases, the problems become more complex, and so the need to have conceptual skills increases. It doesn't mean that as a supervisor you don't need to have conceptual skills. Yeah, you need to have conceptual skills, but what Dixon is sharing with us is that as a supervisor, you're gonna need to use less conceptual skills than the vice president. That doesn't mean that's always the case, but more often than not, that's, um, that would be accurate. That the need for problem solving skills, analytic skills, these conceptual skills, are needed higher in the organization on a more regular basis. So again, don't get me wrong and think that I'm saying that if you're a supervisor you don't need conceptual skills, Of course, you're going to utilize conceptual skills, but you're going to utilize them more at higher levels in the organization. What about human skills? What are we talking about when we talk about human skills? So we said managers utilize certain skills, three main skills, it's not the only skills. Go ahead, Jennifer. Um, Pretty much the ability to communicate with others effectively and respectfully. So the ability to communicate with others. We need to be able to communicate that shared vision, those shared goals, and do that effectively. So in order to get work done through others, people need to know, write this down, people need to know what they're supposed to do. So people need to know what they're supposed to do, how they're supposed to do it. So people need to know what they're supposed to do, how they're supposed to do it, and importantly, why they're supposed to do it. So when we're trying to get work done through others, as a manager, we need to be able to effectively communicate what it is that we want people to do, how it is that we want them to do it, and why, why it's important for them to do it. That is so critical. Very often, when people don't do what you ask them to do, so one of the main reasons why, even if you have the power, even if you have legitimate power, even if you have coercive power, reward power, Referent power, expert, expert power, so you are a subject matter expert. Even if you have power, because managing people is not easy. I've been managing people for many years, and I'm not even a little bit embarrassed to say that it is extremely difficult to manage and lead people. It is extremely difficult to get work done through others. Because it's not enough to have the power. Because you might have the power, and people still may not do what you ask them to do. Now, what I'm sharing to you is an insight. So one of the reasons why they may not do what you ask them to do is because they don't know what it is that you want them to do. That happens very often. And why? Because what Jennifer is suggesting is There's no communication. There needs to be communication. You need to tell people what it is that you want them to do. And even if they know what it is that you want them to do, that doesn't mean that they know how to do it. You need to tell them how to do it. So you'll be scratching your head and say, I don't understand. Coach said, I got power. forget, I have an employee who won't do what I ask. And so, remember that it could be that they don't know what they're supposed to do, or they don't know how they're supposed to do it, and really importantly, they don't know why they're supposed to do it need to know why, there needs to be communication. They need to know that what you're asking them to do is important, that it's urgent. Because if they don't know why they're doing it, then they're not gonna do it. I'm telling you from experience, if people don't know why you want them to do something, they're not gonna do it. Even if they know what you want them to do, and they know how to do it, They're not going to do it. They need to know why. Why it's important. So in an organization, there's SOPs. What's an SOP? An SOP is a standard operating procedure. So it has guidelines. It outlines guidelines, procedures, and the SOP for example, might say that in an organization, you know, in, uh, after Hurricane Sandy, one of the issues, one of the major issues after that devastating hurricane was how people were going to rebuild. Well, if your house is destroyed in a hurricane, how is it that you're going to be able to rebuild? What is it, why is that possible? Who said insurance? You said insurance? What's your name? Vinti, right? Vuti? Vuti? Okay, so Vuti is saying that insurance. So you have to have insurance. Now, in insurance companies, they have to anticipate losses. They have an idea of how much they're going to have to pay out. Now, when they get a claim, what they need to do is, whether it's for property damage, like from a hurricane, or bodily injury from a car accident, they need to evaluate the damage, whether it's property damage or bodily injury, they need to evaluate the damage, and then what they need to do is to place a reserve. So that means once you know that your insured was 100% responsible for the accident, so your insured rear-ended another car on the Belt Parkway, and the driver of the other vehicle was injured. They fractured their hip and it required open reduction. So in other words, they had to have surgery done and have pins placed in their hip. Now, you determine that you're insured with 100% at fault, And the injury in Kings County is estimated to be about $350,000. So now, the company, at some point in the future, is gonna have to pay out $350,000. So what the company needs to do is to have That money put on reserve. So typically this is considered to be very important in an insurance company because you're collecting premiums all the time, millions and millions of dollars in premiums, but you need to expect to make payments for losses. So once you know that the insured is responsible for $350,000 worth of damages, the company is gonna have to pay that, a reserve has gotta be made. That money has gotta be put on reserve. So the SOP, the standards of performance, say that that has to be done in seven days. Now, the way I explained it to you, I think you understand that it's important to do that quickly. Does the company needs to know where they stand financially. Does that make sense? That you're collecting these premiums, but you're thinking that, well, you're making all this money and everything is great. What if you waited six months and then put the reserve? Isn't it kind of too late then? So if the if the standards of performance say seven days, you might not, if, if we didn't have this discussion, you may not think that that was urgent. You might just say, oh, seven days, seven weeks, seven months, whatever. It doesn't matter. But being business students, you understand that. Well, wait. Um, there's four sections. One of them is auditing, one of them is regulation, um, one of them is um, ordaining financial um, regulation, which includes taxation, and the fourth one is what's called BEC, which is business and economics. Okay, so, well, thank you, um, second thing is I screwed up, but it's for a for understandable reason, and you're probably going to say no, but worth asking. Um, the second survey mm-hmm. questionnaire. Basically, when you emailed out that it was due, I thought that it was the first questionnaire. Again, you were sending a reminder because you copy pasted everything. Mm-hmm. Um. So I didn't do it. Oh, you could do it now. That's fine. It's still open. Yeah, the questionnaire. Yeah, it's still. You use the link is still there. It's still open. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I kept it open. Perfect. Thank you. I'm yeah. Just getting really nervous because like I've been busting ass this semester to keep on top of everything. Yeah, 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 do, do it. I'll accept it. We'll, they won't take any penalty for lateness. Awesome, Thank you so much. All right, all right, no problem. But Hashem, all things are possible, right? Well, yeah. Yeah. All right, all right so done. don't give up. Don't give up. All right, I'll see you in two weeks. Thanks a lot. All right. more Oreos. Oreos. Now this is from the Lost Lectures of Professor Miles Bassell. Oreos. Oreos. Milk's favorite cookie. Stay tuned and check us again next time for more Oreos.